Okay, so Shalom Abracha. Uh, we're continuing with where we're holding in the and going in detail to each of the ten types of song that Rabbi Nachman revealed as the Tikkun Aklali. He didn't reveal the ten types of song. I mean, that's from the Gemara and the Zohar and the Midrash. But he revealed where it's hinted to that the ten types of song can rectify what's called Tikkun Abrit, rectifying the covenant. And they correspond to the ten specific chapters that he pointed out, that he literally pointed out, that these ten psalms, when they're said in this specific configuration, this order, they have this power and capacity to rectify basically everything, Bezat Hashem. That's how powerful they are. Uh, that's why he sacrificed so much for revealing this, and why he made such an emphasis of saying this, and especially by his kever, Bezat Hashem. We should be zochet to get there. Amen. So we're holding, we did already until now, Ashrei, Bracha, that's the order that Rav Nosen brings it down. It's really Bracha, Ashrei, Maskil, Shir, Nitzuach. We're holding by Nigun, right? Am I correct? Nigun and Tefillah. So we're at, it's the song number six and song number seven we're going to go into. So Rabbi Nachman shows that Nigun and its power to rectify the covenant is hinted to in a verse found in a chapter that's one of the ten chapters because we noticed he also brings from other books he brings from Eov which we're going to see coming up and from Mishle in total of the five types of song five of them he brings Psukim not from Tehillim he brings Psukim from Mishle and Eov but the other five are found in the Tehillim in the Tikkun Aklali in five chapters of the Tikkun Aklali so this one, Nigun, happens to be from chapter 77, where the verse reads, Ezkera, it's verse number 7, right? Ezkera neginati balayla, which translates as, I will, King David is saying, I'll remember, or it's Asaf really, Asaf wrote this, this Mizmor, I will remember my Nigun in the night, right, comma, Im levavi asicha, and with, with my heart I will converse, comma, vechapes ruchi, and I will find my spirit. We said that this chapter 77, he's bemoaning the difficulty of holding on in the galut, right? We said there's three chapters which are one after the next about difficulty. The chapter 59 about being uh, saved from death, right? And they have this chapter here. 77, which is exper like expressing how much can we hold on in the Galut, how long is the exile going to be, and number 90, which is really scary, it's about, you know, where have, where have I gotten in my life, where, what have I done in my life, I've, I'm living 70, 80 years, right, but here in 77, it goes into the Galut, and how long the Galut is, so he says, I will remember my Nigun in the night, Okay, and the word nigun is very similar to yagon, sadness, like a type of, uh, there's a term in Hebrew, yagon vanacha, sadness and depression and sorrow, so yagon is a type of a term for sadness, nigun is the counter to that, okay, he's saying I will remember my nigun in the darkness, he says earlier, the, the Rav of Cherin, who has the commentary on the Kutimran, and we said this before, it's quoted from the Zohar, that Laila, the reason why night is called Laila, because that's when the rule takes place of the evil force, this evil Kripa, who's called 
we don't say her name, Lamid Yud, Lamid Yud Tav. Laila is called Laila because that's when she rules. That's her domain. That's why at nighttime you have to be careful. You can't go out alone at certain times. You can't also learn certain parts of the Torah by learning the written Torah at nighttime. So the energy goes to the evil side. It goes to the Chitzonim. That's why it's so dangerous to learn like a Mikra at nighttime. Gemara you can learn, oral Torah you can learn. But the Mikra and anything associated with the learning of the, the written Torah has to be put aside till after midnight at least. Or Mikra during the morning, whatever. Each person has a different uh, customs. But nighttime is dangerous time. Also spiritually, physically, that's why we say Kretsch Malamita before going to sleep. We need protection for the soul, for, for the dreams, etc. So he's saying here, the, the exile, the commentaries explain that the exile which corresponds to darkness, that's the night, because that's actually what happens. And a person's trapped in the evil, that's exile, that's night, that's darkness, that's sadness, that's no hope. So here he's saying, I will remember my nigun in the night. What does that mean? By singing Nigunim of holiness, I remember my purpose in life. I remember the light. I remember the hope, the message of happiness and hope that the Torah gives. So I'll remember the Nigun. I will remind myself who I am, right, in the nighttime. And as a result, This pushes me to start talking to Hashem. I have now an incentive. A person can be dead. And you can't expect a person when he's dead, like spiritually dead, you can't expect such a person to express himself in Yidbodidut if now they're not motivated. You need a motivation. person is like down and, and out of it. Oh, Hashem, help me. It doesn't help. It doesn't move. The words are not in passion. The words are not inflamed. What's needed, he said, is the power of a nigun that activates the zikaron. He says, Rav Nosen, that there's zikaron and shichicha. And the zikaron... Is, uh, is associated with before the creation, and forgetfulness is after the point of creation. Our goal as Jews is always to remember, to remember, to remember, right? We said, if you remember, that the idea of Shema Yisrael every day, we hear Israel, the, the listening that we say Shema every day is to remind us that Hashem is in charge. You, what you see in the world is all forgetfulness. You don't see God anywhere on, on a pshat level, on a simple level, on a mundane level. You don't see God. I have to remember that behind the scenes is Hashem in the picture. That's the idea of the Zikaron. Rav Nosen says that's connecting to before the creation. Because before the creation, Hashem was everywhere. The Ein Sof, the Infinite One was everywhere. So our goal is to tap into that remembrance and to bring it into the forgetfulness. So as Gera, I tap into the memory that what? That there's a purpose of my life. It's not just to eat and drink and to have a job and to have a family and that's it. Life is more than that. Life is much, 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 much more than that. It's to promote Hashem's presence into the world. That's the goal. That's the goal of the kids, of the family, of the Torah and the mitzvot and everything and the chasenes and the bar mitzvahs and the brizzes and everything and the Shabbos table and the food and all the uplifting feelings of the life even of a Jew is to promote Hashem, period. That's the goal. That's the thing here. I, try to, I remember that. And, and if I'm not doing that, so there's Laila. There's darkness. There's Laila that a person can be living a life, even a Jew, even a religious Jew, but he's in Laila. He's in darkness. He's just uh, wasting his life. I remember a friend of mine who's a doctor and he deals with a lot of religious patients and a religious guy who's like learning in Kola for 40 years already. So the guy was working in his 60s, came for a checkup. So the doctor, who's a breast liver, he asked the, the patient, no, how's it going? So he says, ah, in Yiddish, he said an expression in Yiddish, I'm scratching the binkle, I'm scratching the, the bench, I'm doing nothing, I'm just sitting on a bench and doing nothing all day in colon 40 years, and his attitude is he's doing nothing in life, he's wasting his life. 
How does that happen? What's going? You don't realize that you have a mission in life. He doesn't. That's shichicha. Person needs to be reminded. Ezkera needs to activate the. What am I doing? What's the purpose? So here he's saying nigun does that. Okay. So ezkera negin tebalayla. How Rabbi Nachman explains it, by the way, is that nigun, which activates zikaron. This is this is the counter balayla when God forbid a person is being attacked by this evil force of Lamed Yud, Lamed Yud Tav, which is the blemishing of the covenant, sexual impurity. So what to do to counter that? How to get out? I will activate the, rem- rem- the memory of Nigun, because that's the power of Nigun. Nigun activates memory, okay? The commentaries now until him say this. Once now, like we just said earlier, once the, the Nigun is activated and your, remem- your memory is activated of what you're doing in, in life, you can now then talk to Hashem. You can speak to your heart. Because the seed of the Shechina in the human body, believe it or not, is in the, is in the Lev. Bina Liba. Bina is associated a lot with the upper Shechina. There's lower Shechina, upper Shechina. Lower is called Malchut. Upper one is called Bina in the Kabbalah. So I speak, I converse with my heart. What am I conversing about? About Delilah. What am I going through, Hashem? What is it you want of me? What's going to be with me? What's the purpose? You begin to speak. Hashem, give me guidance. Show me what you want me to do in life. Show me that you love me. So the result of Im Levavi Asicha, the commentaries say, is Vaychapes Ruchi. Chapes means what? Search, but also means to find. The search in finding my Ruach. What's the Ruach? Unbelievable. The commentaries say, the Ruach here is associated to Ruach Elokim al The spirit of the Lord in, the, in Bereshit, if you remember the beginning of the Chumash, it says the world was tov avod, the world was desolate and void and empty, and then it says and the and the spirit of the Lord Elokim was hovering over the water. So the Zohar says, what is the spirit of the of the Lord of Elokim hovering over the water? This is the divine spirit of Mashiach, believe it or not, which is hidden on the pages of the Torah, an peoraita. The Mayim, the water is Torah, so that it's merachefet, it's like when you're blowing. So you have page, what blo- in a book, what blows? Pages blow. You can blow pages, right? They, 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 they're, 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 there's movement with the air. Merachefet is like you go like this and something moves. In a book, how do you have that? That the pages are moving in the air. So the Spirit of the Lord is hovering over the pages of the Torah. So in our context, v'chapes ruchi, that when my memory is activated through nigun, in the darkness, and this pushes me to talk to Hashem with a real heartfelt, earnest words from the heart, as a result, I can find the answer of what I'm going through in life in the Torah. Hashem answers me through the Torah. I find and search the answer to what I'm going through, to the galut, the, the, the means for guidance in the Torah itself. I find the Ruach, which what is my Ruach? That's the Ruach found in the Torah. That's how the commentaries explain the power of Nigun. There's a story with Rav Nosin that we have that illustrates this amazing scenario. Rav Nosin, there was a, he was always a lot traveling very frequently, right? So much that he once said, quoting Rav Zushav Anapoli, Rav Zushav Anapoli would say, I'm willing to give a din v'cheshbon to heaven for every day of my life, whether I was uh, fulfilled my obligations in serving Hashem and davening and learning, except for the days that I traveled. <laughs> Rav Zushav said that. And Rav Nosin said, 
I'm willing to give a din v'cheshbon of every day of my life, even, or I think it's especially the days that I traveled, because of Nassim didn't waste time. Back then, traveling took a few days. It wasn't like a joke, like today you get on a plane and you're ready in Oman by the night, by evening. You can leave in the morning and you're ready somewhere on the other side of the globe already by the end of the day. Then it took a week, a few, a few days, a week, two weeks. It was, it was a lot of traveling. And back then in the Ukraine, when it was winter and there's rain and there's mud and there's storms and everything, it makes it even more difficult. And the bumpy ride, you know, all your bones break while traveling, right? That's the halacha, that you shouldn't travel on Friday, it doesn't apply so much today because traveling is much more convenient. But back then, to travel by boat or by 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 donkey or by horse or by wagon on Friday is prohibited up to a certain time because we're worried that you come to Shabbat big aching, your your back hurts, your your <laughs> your behind hurts, everything is is broken because of the the bumpy ride, right? It was difficult traveling. So Avnosin said he was able, willing to give a din v'cheshbon on these days. So there's a story. That once Rav Nosim was really, really desperate for money, and it was a very difficult situation, and there was other difficulties together. There was sickness or malady in the family or something, and Rav Nosim was really broken, and he had to travel to get funds or to, to, to do what had to be done. And it was stormy and raining, and back then, if they're in the middle of nowhere, you can't just stop on the side to Davin. If it's time for Shacharis, you can't get off and stop unless there's a place to stop. But in his case, they were still in the middle of nowhere when it was time for nets already. So he had, and many times, many cases, Rav Nosin would have to dive in on the wagon. That's what people would do. If they're traveling and you can't stop in the middle, there's no village, there's no shtetl, there's no kretschmer, there's no inn, there's no like, gas, gas station, <laughs> there's nothing. So you have to dive in while on the wagon. So he was getting ready to dive in. And he put on his talis and a strong wind gust came, blew off his talis, and the tzitzis got stuck in the wheel of the wagon and tore his talis. And he was so broken, he just began to cry, Rav Nosen. Began to cry, because it's not enough this, this Laila, this Galut. This Laila, this Galut. This Laila, this Galut. Boom, 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 one after the next. He couldn't handle it anymore. He just burst out in tears. And then he stopped. Obviously, the wagon stopped to take out the talis, so he can't wear it. Not puzzle, it's not kosher talis. That means he had to daven shacharis without his talis, just fill in. So that was already hard for him. It's hard for a Jew to daven without a talis when he's not used to davening every morning of a talit and that's the requirement in halacha, right? And now you can't. It hurts. It hurts very much. So Rav Nosen stopped while they're taking out the talis and everything and they're getting back on. He just reminded himself of a nigun. Which nigun? Rabbi Nachman's nigun for Eshet Chayel. The Rabbi Nachman used to sing on Friday night for Eshet Chayel. So like he closed his eyes and he just sang the nigun and like here, the nigun brought him back to life, literally. Whatever he did afterwards, he was able to daven afterwards. And I think Rav Nachman Tochin was with him at the time. And so you see Rav Nosen, he davened as if nothing happened. And he said, not just as if nothing happened, but there was even a greater joy. And afterwards he asked him, well, what, how did that happen? He said, I remembered how Rabbi Nachman sang it, how I heard it from Rabbi Nachman. And the chen, the grace and the charm when he sang it just brought me back to life. The reminding of, of me of how powerful this experience and this schut of knowing such a tzaddik, what it did for me in my life, he said that brought me back to life and was able to dive in shachari. So we can imagine afterwards, by chapes ruchi, etc. We have this teaching, right? So this is an example how nigun can bring back a person back to life. This is the power of nigun. With this said, Rabbi Nachman calls the ten types of song what in Hebrew? Asara mine negina. 
He doesn't say, Asar Aminei Zimra, Asar Aminei Shira, Asar Aminei Shvacha, Asar Aminei Ashrei, or Bracha, or Maskil, or Nitzuchim. He uses the Hoda'a. He doesn't say Asar Aminei Hoda'a, or Hallelujah, or Mizmorim. He says, Asar Aminei Negina. Because this term points out to the goal here. The goal is to become a better Jew. In other words, the Tikkun Aklali is a remedy. It gives you that boost to recharge, to restart again, to realign. Now what? Now what is up to you? Now what is I'm going to do davening better? I'm going to do Torah study better? I'm going to change myself better? I'm going to work on getting out of the Laila, out of the Klippa, out of the mud, and getting better. That's up to us. So it's expressed best in this verse. Because in this verse you have the, the cause, Ezkara Neginati Balayla, I will activate Nigun, and then the result, right? Now I can dove and I can open up my heart, and then I can, I can learn Torah with the intent of finding the Ruach. When we said, by the way, learning Torah, how Hashem answers a person can be from anything. Could be from a Gemara, Parsha of the week of Rashi, a Mishnah, a Midrash, a Parsha sheet from Alabama, Chabad, whatever. <coughs> The message, how Hashem talks to you back, He can use any means to get to you. It's not limited. Hashem is not limited in only breast of Sfarim and only there will get the message. He can send it anywhere He wants because Hashem is unlimited. The Tzaddik also, the power of the Tzaddikim is unlimited and they're not limited in only certain books. The, Hashem can use the Ruach. The Ruachi is anywhere in the Torah, anywhere in the Pardes. Pshat Rem is Rav Sod. Anywhere Hashem talks back to you, Bezat Hashem. But it starts with the power of Nigur. So we see that this term is really powerful. It shows the cause and also the effect and the result. And here it sticks out. We don't see that by the verse in Ashrei Nesui Pesha. It's just, I'm scot-free. We said, Nesui Pesha. Hashem is giving me another chance to start again. Great. Now it's up to me, right? In Avarech Hashem, Hashem Yatsani, Hashem gave me Eitzah. That's like I'm praising Hashem for the cause. Here, I see cause and effect together. I see, Im now I can daven, now I can open up my heart because of the nigun. Now I can find in the Torah the talking back of Hashem. I always heard this from the breast lovers. There's, a, there's an elder in the breast of community of Binyamin Knappelmacher. I remember the, he said this like yesterday. He says, the way you talk to Hashem, that's how Hashem talks back to you. If you open up to Hashem honestly, so then you get, you get clear messages. But if a person's not talking to Hashem, how do you expect to, to give you a message and answer back if you're not conversing with Him? Your hitbodedut and how much you do it and how much you put your heart into it, that's how commensurate, that's how Hashem will answer you back. So this is 77. This is the power of Nigun. Tfila, whoa. Tfila is chapter 90 of Tehilim, right? And the, the verse that Rabbi Nachman brings is a verse from Eov. Eov, chapter 6, verse 6. The verse reads, I, I, have to, I really need the text here, maybe. If I have the text, I don't have it in this little version. It starts, Hayachel Tafel Bli Melach, Ein Yesh Ta'am Berir Chalamot. I think that's the verse. Let me just double check. Here we go. Eov 6 6. It's better when you see it inside. Can you eat? He's asking, Eov is asking a question. Can a person eat bland food? Tafel, bland food, is a question coming up because you write the word tafel in Hebrew with a tet, not with a tav, 
here it's written with a tav. Hayachel tafel. Tafel is like a secondary food. Tatfela. You know, you have, for example, you eat the bread and you have the salads with it. Okay? That's tafel. Ikar tafel. But when you say tafel by itself, it means food that's bland. Can you eat bland food without salt? Of course you can't. It's, it's, there's no taste. What are you eating for? It gets very, it's not exciting and not enjoyable and not tasty without salt. Im yesh ta'am. Is there taste in berir, the chelmon? What's the chelmon again? It's the yolk, the egg yolk. Berir chalamot. Is there taste in the juice of the egg yolk as it is? No, there's not. An egg yolk is not, not tasty at all. No one eats egg yolk unless they're like on a diet or something and they, they swallow it raw. But normally, you cook eggs, you fry them, and then, then they have a taste, right? The juice of an egg, egg yolk as it is, is there a taste berir chalamot in the chelmon, the egg yolk, the yellow part of the egg? There's no taste in it at all, right? So what's he saying here? So here in the pshat, he's, he's expressing, you know, we need in life... Chelbon is chalav, is the white part, right? That's how you know it. Chelbon, chalav, like white milk. The milky white part of the egg is the white part, and the egg yolk, which is the yellow part, is chelmon. That's how you know always, right? So in, in pshat, he's like, Hashem, you give us a life with just suffering, and there's no sweetness, we can't take it. He's saying, you, you give people, a human being, to eat food that has no taste? <laughs> you don't do that, Hashem. You give to people food that has a taste with it. That's how people consume food, right? A blind person, he doesn't see the food, so he's always... Uh, that's something else on the side about a blind person. Sorry, I don't want to go into that. But food that ha- doesn't have a taste, people won't eat that much. In order to get people to eat and to survive, you have to give the food to have a tasty taste. That's how people eat it, Right? So that's the pshat of the verse. Hayachel tafel mi melach. Rabbi Nachman's reading it like this. Can you eat tafel, taf pe lamid, which translates as bland food, also means prayer, tfilah. Tfilah has the same words. Tav pe lamid is also in tfilah. It's found in tfilah. So he says, can you eat tafilah, tafel, tfilah, without salt? Right, and then it goes into the egg yolk. Egg yolk. The egg. Uh, is there taste in the juice of the egg yolk? But the first part of the verse. What does it mean? Can you eat prayer without salt? What's going on here? For this, we need the midrash and the Zohar to, to help us understand what is this. The Zohar says something unbelievable. That in the book of Tehillim, you have the word prayer associated both to King David, Tfilah le David. And also to, to Moshe Rabbeinu, chapter 90, Tfilah le Moshe. The Zohar says what? That prayer is, na- is on the name of David, King David, and Moshe Rabbeinu. These tzaddikim, whose whole mission in life was to elevate the Shekhinah, that's all their interest was. Prayer, prayer, when you say prayer, it's called Tfilah le Moshe, Tfilah le David, and nobody else. That means prayer is unique to Moshe Rabbeinu and David HaMelech, and not me. You hear that? That's unbelievable. Tefillah is associated to these tzaddikim at the caliber of Moshe Rabbeinu and David HaMelech. So what about my tefillah? How about me? Little me. I have, I have an obligation to daven tefillah shacharit, tefillah mincha, tefillah arvit. You have many words, prayers are called tefillot. Birkat Amazon is called a tefillah. Birkat Shachar are called tefillot. They're brachot, but it's a tefillah. Okay? Asher Yatsar is a tefillah. You have many tefillot. So what about my prayers? 
So he's saying something unbelievable. What's salt? Salt, Rabbi Nachman says elsewhere, but the Zohar also brings it down. Salt is referring to the covenant, the sexual covenant. How do we know that? Because the word brit is associated with the salt regarding the sacrifices. It says for every sacrifice, you have to offer also with it salt. Salt has to be offered, right? And the wording brit is used there. The Hashem made a covenant that the salt should be used on the sacrifices. Where was the covenant? That when Hashem created the world, the salt which comes from the deep waters, waters, the salt, the salt from the sea really, right? So salt in the water complained to Hashem, you know, the korbanot are involving any of the levels of domem, uh, sorry, of, of, of the, of the, uh, the three elements of the four. You have earth, wind, and fire. There's no water. You have the fire burning the sacrifice. You have the animal, which is the flesh, which is like earth, right? And you have the wind blowing up the animal, whatever, the, the smoke. How about water? So Hashem said two things. There will be water libations on certain sacrifices. And also when they offer any animal on the, sacri- on the, on the altar, there will be salt offered. And Hashem said there's a breed, there's a covenant that always, for every sacrifice, you have to have melech. That's why also, when we don't have the Beit HaMikdash, our table is like the altar. There's an Indian to have salt on the table. We dip the bread in the salt because our eating is like a sacrifice, believe it or not. When a Jew eats, especially on the table, when it's a mitzvah to eat, like on Shabbat and everything, so it's corresponding to the, to the, to the Beit HaMikdash. That's why it's important to eat bread on the table, not just to eat while walking and traveling, whatever, but to have a normal table because it's like a Mizbeach. And then you have the salt and you're dipping the bread in the salt. So it's commemorating this salt. Rabbi Nachman teaches that the salt and that the verse connects Brit, a covenant with the salt, shows that it's connected to the idea of a tzaddik. Because a tzaddik, the definition of a tzaddik, is not someone who knows all of Shas and all the Torah. A tzaddik, the Zohar says, Ezu tzaddik is man de natar brit. What's a tzaddik? Someone who has self-control, who has self-restrainment, has personal purity. That's a tzaddik. Yosef a tzaddik is called Yosef the tzaddik because he passed the test. He stood up to the test. That's why he's called a tzaddik. Okay? So salt which gives taste, right? And also takes away bitter, bitterness. So the, the, the Zohar says, milcha. Rabbi Nachman brings us down on lesson 23 of the Kutim Ran. milcha alma Were it not for the salt, which we can explain what it is, the world could not stand the bitterness of life. Life has bitterness. There's bitterness in Galut. What gives us the taste to endure, to hold on, salt. What's salt? It's the tzaddikim. Salt is brit. Brit is tzaddik. One, two, three. Gzera shava. So melach, salt, is the idea of the tzaddikim. The tzaddikim, their Torah, their inspiration, their light, give us the taste to continue in life. You can't expect a Jew to just be in a dark tunnel for the, his whole life and say, okay, serve Hashem like this. Be in a tunnel. Put on tefillin in a tunnel. Davin in a tunnel. Raise a family in a tunnel. Simcha, force yourself. There's nothing to be happy about, just in a tunnel. If Judaism was just to be in a tunnel and just darkness and you're always just digging, digging a tunnel, how, how can you expect people to hold on in life? Give a person a maximum, a year to hold on, a few months, right? A marriage, God forbid, that's, that's just darkness. How do you expect them to hold on? There's, there's no brit melach, there's no covenant, there's no, there's no taste, chas shalom, right? So what is the taste that Hashem gives for a Jew to endure, 
you give a person Torah study, but if there's heaviness and darkness, again, there's no light, it's all bringing him the simcha and the joy and the light. So what, what, what do you want from him? How do you expect him to hold on? How do you expect Jews to hold on when everything is dark? You have these kids, for example, who, who don't turn out so, what, so well in the yeshiva system, and the cheder system, right? And it's forcing, forcing on them. They don't have that light. So what do you expect? Of course they're, they're going to go off the path. Give them a taste in Judaism. Give something, some, some gishmak, something which is, which is tasty, like salt, right? So the salt of life, the salt, salt of Judaism, the salt of Torah, the salt of davening is the tzaddik. The tzaddik has a light in his teachings, in his essence, the tzaddik. That means his kever or himself, his, anything is associated with his conversations, they bring light, they open up the light, Right? It's like the famous uh, story of the encounter of the Magad of Mizrich with the Baal Shem Tov. The Magad of Mizrich didn't want to at all go to the Baal Shem Tov. His father, the Magid's father, became so enf- enthusiastic by the Baal Shem Tov. And he told his son, it was a big Tamit Chacham, the, the Magid was lame, he couldn't walk. So he had time just to learn and learn and learn. He became a big Lamdan. And he had a, 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 a fire of Torah... But it was in darkness. It wasn't so much, so much light. And his father said, come to the Baal Shem Tov. And he said, it's Bitul Torah for me. I know you, it's Kibbut Dav'em to listen to you. But I'm telling you, it's going to be hard for me because I want to learn Torah. So the father said, okay, okay. But then once he came back, he says, I order you on Kibbut Dav'em that you have to go to the Baal Shem Tov now. Okay, he said, okay, Kibbut Dav'em. So he came with his father and he spent Shabbos in the Baal Shem Tov. He sees the Hasidim singing, the Baal Shem Tov singing. The Baal Shem Tov didn't speak any words of Torah purposely. Just singing and eating, very chitzoni, very superficial. And at the end of Shabbos, the Magi told his father, okay, I can go now. That's it, I did the mitzvah. He says, yes, you can go. I see you didn't get anything anyway, so you can go, fine. So he went to say, you have to, the Kabbalah Rashut. There's the custom that when you leave a big rabbi tzaddik, you go and like, ask permission to leave. So the Baal Shem Tov said to him, maybe you want to learn something? He said, yes, I've been waiting for that all Shabbos. We didn't learn, just eating and drinking and singing and no learning, what? <laughs> so, so he said, come to my study. He took him to his little study hall, his little room. And he, he said, which Gemara you want to learn? He opened any Gemara. I think it was in uh, the Babas, Baba Kama, Baba Metziah, where it's all the legal difficulties of an animal running into another animal. All types of legal problems, right? So the Magid said, as the Baal Shem Tov was explaining the Gemara, he actually saw everything come to life. Like, it wasn't just on the page, but he was able to see, but not just to see, like, physical images of a bull running into a Shoshanagach, running into another bull, but the Kabbalistic Sfirot and the meaning behind it Everything being, became so clear as if he saw it in front of him. And he began to see a light in the Torah, and that woke him up, and he became the top disciple of the Baal Shem Tov, Hashem. So tzaddikim, why it's necessary, is because a person can have Judaism, but it's dead. Uh, you see it in the world. You see many people, their Torah has no ta'am. They're learning just because it's a profession. They're a rav, so they're, they're, they're qualified for a rabbi. They have full, fluent knowledge in the Torah and everything. But it's dead. The drashot also dead. Davening dead. Everything is just routine. There's no chayut. And then you get upset when people leave that fold. They get upset. But what do you want? You have nothing. No light, no inspiration. To, you, you've hold, held on for a long time. You're a warrior. Shkoyach. Bravo. But other people expect to hold on to such a dry Torah like this. How do you expect them to hold on? There's no taste. Give them light. That's the idea of the melach. The melach gives light. So the Zohar says, Tfilah lemoshe. Tfilah is uh, the David. Tfila to be able to daven, it's, it's only associated with Moshe Rabbeinu and with David HaMelech. So then how about me? So the Zohar says, 
It's funny that the word tefillah, tafel, is etymologically similar to tafel, tafel uvatet. Tafel uvatet, and that's what the Peshat is here. The Zohar says, how come the, the Pasuk reads, how come Eov is saying, Hayachel tafel, can you eat bland food? Bland food meaning it's secondary. Because once salt gives taste to the food, it's the salt that makes the food food, not the food itself. You have bland vegetables, it's not tasty. So the, the item that gives the taste to the food, that gives the chashivut to the food, that gives importance. We now, I give importance to the salt. If you don't put salt in the food, I'm not going to eat the food. It's like a coffee. You give me a, a dark coffee with no sugar, no milk. I'm not interested in the coffee because I want the, the extra sweetness that gives me the push to take it. That's why it's so important to have, you know, uh, what's it called? Cough syrup, vitamin C syrup. The kids, they'll take the vitamins if it's sweet. A human being also. Davening has to come from me. Okay, but if it's not sweet, it's not going to work out. So now the Zohar here is hinting to something amazing. The Zohar says that, asked the question on this Pasuk, how can he, Eov, say the word tafel, tefillah, as, as like secondary? Because yes, the davening is considered secondary to the one riding over the prayer. Just like you have a horse, the, the Zohar goes into this, quoting the Midrash, that when you have a horse and the rider, who's the main, main, the main character and the second character? Who's, who's, who's secondary and main? The rider is main, and the horse is secondary. The sus is secondary. So too, Hashem, He rides on the prayers of the Jewish people, and so too, every Jew has control over his horse, which is the prayers. How is horse prayers? So this is just a bit of Kabbalah, very little. Sus is Gematria 60, plus 60, that's 120, plus Vav, that's 130. So now, the, the name of God, in this ten, the 10 Sfirot, there's 10 names of God, Corresponding to the ten spirit, the one name which is associated with prayer is Aleph Dalit Nun Yud. Like we say every every day, I'll say it clearly Adonai Svatai Tiftach Ufi Agiti Latecha. So the name Aleph Dalit Nun Yud opens my mouth. That's prayer. Aleph Dalit Nun Yud Svatai Tiftach. Now my lips can open, and my uh, the my mouth can now speak over and relay your praise, okay? So Aleph Dalit Nun Yun is the name of Hashem which is associated with prayer. So when this name is expanded, it's called an expansion called Ribua. Ribua means I do Aleph plus Aleph Dalit plus Aleph Dalit Nun plus Aleph Dalit Nun Yud. So I'm supposed to get to Sus. Do you see that there? Yeah, you do, right? Aleph is one. Aleph Dalit is five. That's six. Aleph Dalet Nun, that's 55, okay? Aleph Dalet Nun Yun is 65. So 65 plus 55 plus 5 plus 1, you get there, right? Unbelievable. So that's 130. So a horse, every Jew's horse is the prayer. The thing is now, you have to ride the prayer. You have to ride the horse. If now the davening is dead, and the davening is a burden for me, it's like I'm... I'm carrying the horse. <laughs> the horse is over me. When a person gets to davening and he just wants to get over the davening already because this is too burdensome, it's chashashal like a person's carrying the horse. The horse is on his back and he's schlepping the horse. That's not good. It has to be the opposite. The horse is secondary to me. But one second, it's, my davening is a burden. What can I do? This is unbelievable, this chidush here. What can I do that my davening should not be a burden? So he's saying here, Tafel is blind, the secondary, okay? 
the davening is not supposed to, not, not supposed to be meant secondary. Who masters prayer? The Zohar says, Tefillah Moshe, Tefillah David. If now I make my, and I see that my, I'm secondary now, I'm carrying the horse, my davening is a burden. I don't feel light in my davening. I just want to, I feel like heavy words and stones in my davening. I feel like I can't connect to my davening and I'm obligated to do it. How do I get out of this? It's if I make myself, my davening, secondary to the tzaddik. I attach my prayer to the tzaddikim. This is where Nachman warned, why so, well warned, he stressed why it's so important that a Jew attaches his tfilot. He says in lesson 2 of the Kuti Moran, Rabbi Nachman, that every Jew should attach your prayers to the tzaddik. Why? What do I gain? I gain now that I'm not slapping my horse anymore. I'm not carrying the horse. That now, since I attach myself to such a tzaddik who's the caliber of Moshe and David HaMelech, that level of tzaddikim, no one less, because tefillah is only associated with tefillah and Moshe, tefillah and David, when I attach my tzaddikim wholeheartedly to these tzaddikim, so now the, the davening is like I'm, I'm riding on the horse. I control the words of the prayer. I'm, I'm in charge of the prayer, not that the prayer is in charge of me. When, when a person feels obligated to daven, that means he's under the prayer. The prayer is, like I said, he's carrying the horse. When you, when you don't feel the words, and, you're not, and you're, you're not saying the words, rather the words are in charge of you, I have to say the words, I have to. It's Shulchan Aruch, I have to say Shacharit, I have to say Mincha, I have to say Arabic because I have to. And you don't feel the words, it's like a burden. So the words are over you, you're, the, the horse is on top of you. How is it that I master the words that I control, if I'm on top of the horse, if I attach my prayer to the tzaddikim, I make it secondary to them, that now it's not my prayer anymore, it's the prayer of Moshe Rabbeinu, prayer of David. How do I do that? How, do, how does little me do that? That's the idea of attaching the prayer to the tzaddik. Rabbi Nachman says, this starts with this simple uh, uh, proclamation every day or before any davening. You see it in the Tikkun Aklali, the standard Tikkun Aklali. Or people say orally, off by heart, I attach myself with Tfilat Shachari to all the tzaddikim, I attach my prayer mincha, okay? So by attaching and also working on this attachment, so a person can feel the davening more and more. But in, in our context, we didn't explain it yet. How does this fit in? With with uh, with brit, so it's very simple. Hayachel tafel mibli melach. Can you eat a prayer, Hashem? Can you eat my prayers without salt? If there's no salt, which is the covenant, there's no prayer. All right. So in other words, you can't eat. Uh, the prayer is missing. First of all, tafel is about the hay. Taf there's tefillah with a hay, and there's tafel where it's taf peilam like the verse in Eov without a letter hay. My prayer becomes tafels. It becomes that it's, it's bland. Not just secondary, it's bland. It's no taste, right? Mibri melach. If there's no kdushat habrit, melach here is the connotation of guarding the covenant. If there's no guarding the covenant, right? There's no prayer. But he's saying, how could there be prayer without salt? Definitely if there's prayer, if there's tefillah, for sure there's salt. That's how it's prayer. It can be tefillah only once there's, there's salt. So he's, that idea is by activating tefillah, you automatically activate salt, which is breed, and that rectifies the covenant. That's the, that fixes the damage of the breed caused by the pgam. So that's the, how this verse, that prayer, tefillah, is eaten with salt. When you act hayachel tefillah, you consume tefillah, you bring forth a tefillah which is consumed, and if it's tefillah, there must be melach, must be salt. Because without 
salt, it's not a prayer. It's, it's tafel, it's uvatet then. It's bland and it's dry and it's not acceptable. But tefillah, if you activate it tefillah, that's the sign that there is melach. So here, chapter, nine, chapter 90 of the Tehillim, Tefillah Moshe, comes to allude to this idea of activating the Tefillah, which activates the salt. But for us, it means also that in order to have Tefillah in our life, you need to attach that prayer to the salt, to the covenant, to the tzaddikim. That gives your prayer a meaning, Bezvet Hashem. So this is just an insight on Tefillah 90, how this represents Tefillah, when a person is able to daven, it's because the tzaddik is shining his light on that person. Rabbi Nachman goes into this, also in another lesson, lesson number four, that sometimes the tzaddik can open up for a person the light of God. And commensurate to how much the light of God is opened up for that person, you see all of a sudden a person starts saying words with such connection to God. Dveikut. Where is that coming from? Is that the person himself? No. That's the tzaddikim shining their light, opening the light of Hashem to that person that gives that person this experience. You speak to the person afterwards, you say, you're such a good davener. How are you davening so well? So what does he say? Me, I'm the worst davener in the world. It's not me. That was totally a gift from heaven that all of a sudden they opened up a few words and I'm able to say these words with what's called hitpashtuta gashmiut. There's no more self-nullification. There's self-negation. There's no more physical entity of me. For those times I was saying those words, it was just totally connected and it wasn't my doing it was something from above that's the idea Rabbi Nachman says of attaching yourself to a tzaddik is that you run on somebody else's credit the tzaddik now gives you his credit and now you can daven with such fire and and it's on it's due to the tzaddikim the, the danger is when a person begins to see wow I'm such a good davener you know I'm, <laughs> I'm davening amazing but it's not the person it's coming from the tzaddikim and a person God forbid gets to haughtiness so then they take it away. It's taken away from the person that doesn't have the light anymore. And also, again, you see that he's saying that tefillah has to have melach. That if God forbid a person, God forbid a person blemishes the covenant, so the repercussion is seen in his davening. The davening becomes dead because he has no melach. The person is not doing minimal shmirata breed, guarding his eyes, guarding his thoughts and everything. The repercussion, you see it in the davening. You see the person davening is dead now. A person, God forbid, blemishes area the f- area first area that's noticeable the change in his life is the davening becomes dead his davening is without heart without salt without taste it's meaningless it's heavy it's him slapping the horse now god forbid to get out of that a person needs to reconnect to Moshe Rabbeinu to David Amalek to the Tzadikim this activates the koach of Tefillah we'll stop here and let's see where we'll continue next week or in Uman or here I have no idea let's see what happens